Shot 15 of The Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals by Harry Houdini. Shot 15. The Fair Criminal. There have arisen in every country and in every age celebrated women criminals whose daring deeds have become part of history. From Lucretia Borgia of the 15th century to Cassie Chadwick of the present day, the list is a long one, and yet police officials and prosecuting officers will no doubt agree with me when I say that there are vastly fewer women criminals than men who lead dishonest lives. The truth seems to be that when lovely woman stoops to crime, she usually goes to the greatest lengths of iniquity, and the comparatively few women who have perpetrated great crimes are made more conspicuous and more talked about by reason of their sex. In the United States, authorities claim that only one-tenth of persons accused of crimes are women, while in France, statistician Tardé declares that one-sixth is the usual proportion. Women criminals are certain to end their careers in wretchedness, if not in prison. Mothers of wayward girls are often much to blame for the beginnings of careers of vice. A good home is the best protection, and upon every fair reader I urge the wisdom not only of choosing for herself the better way, but of safeguarding her sisters everywhere. Sophie Lyons may be taken as a typical case of a born woman criminal. She came of a race of criminals. Her grandfather was a noted burglar in England. Her father and mother, who came to America before she was born, both had a criminal record. She was taught to steal as soon as she could walk, and at twelve was arrested for shoplifting. At sixteen she was married to Maury Harris, a pickpocket, but her husband was sentenced to two years in state prison before the honeymoon was over. Later she married Ned Lyons, the noted burglar, and became one of the most expert female pickpockets in the country. Sophie Lyons was a beautiful girl with brilliant dark eyes, abundant auburn hair, and a fascinating manner. At the county fairs she would make the acquaintance of men of wealth and deftly relieve them of their watch or roll of banknotes, while they were fascinated with her blandishments. If caught, she was a consummate actress, and could counterfeit every shade of emotion. Real tears of injured innocence would flow from her beautiful eyes. Lyons pulled off a big coup about two years after their marriage, bought a villa on Long Island with the proceeds, and, though a professional burglar himself, tried to keep his wife from stealing. The taint was too strong, however. She picked pockets for the love of it. Eventually both husband and wife were sentenced to Sing Sing prison, from which they make a sensational escape and got away to Paris. In France, under the name of Madame de Varney, she continued her brilliant career of crime. Sophie Lyons is supposed to be at large at the present time, somewhere in America. She has one son serving a term in state prison, and two daughters, who are being carefully educated in Germany, kept as far as possible in ignorance of their mother's actual character. The career of Cassie Chadwick, the Duchess of Diamonds, is of more recent date. She is a woman of about fifty years of age, and has neither great physical beauty or great personal charm, yet she must have had wonderful powers of persuasion, for she victimized such men as Andrew Carnegie, and made banker Ira Reynolds believe she was an illegitimate child of the Scotch millionaire. 
With him, she deposited a bundle of securities alleged to be worth five million dollars, and a note for half a million dollars bearing Carnegie's signature. A signed paper from Reynolds attesting the fact that he held five million dollars worth of securities in trust for her became her stock in trade, and she fleeced bankers and businessmen to the tune of one million dollars in money and one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of jewels in four years. In March 1905, she was convicted and is now serving a 10-year sentence in the Ohio State Penitentiary. Thanksgiving 1905, during my engagement at Keese Theater, I gave a performance for the prisoners in the county jail in Cleveland, and Mrs. Chadwick was to be entertained in her cell. But 15 minutes before I was to show her a few conjuring tricks, she changed her mood, gave the jailer an argument, and refused to allow anyone near her cell. Of the army of women shoplifters, petty thieves, stool pigeons for confidence men, etc., little need be said. Shoplifting seems to be the most common crime. Many women steal for mere wantonness, having no need of the articles or money. Kleptomania is a polite word for this offense, and doubtless there are cases of mental disorder and moral degeneracy which takes this form. The time-worn badger game, as it is called, is still frequently employed to fleece men. The confidence woman gets acquainted with some man of means, preferably a married man of family, and invites him to call at her apartments. She carries on her part of the flirtation to perfection, till suddenly the doorbell rings, and in apparent fright she exclaims, There comes my husband. He is furiously jealous and will kill you. The fictitious husband rushes in, a scene takes place, and the husband threatens to shoot or call on the police. Eventually the matter is settled by the victim giving up a large sum of money rather than face a scandal. This is only one form of blackmail resorted to, to extort money, as the victim is often threatened with public expose, etc. Pirates in petticoats frequently ply their trade on ocean and lake steamers. They are well dressed, and ingratiate themselves with the passengers of both sexes, watching their opportunity to steal jewelry or practice their threadbare confidence games. A woman named Grace Mordaunt cleared many thousands of dollars in New York by occasionally advertising the following personal in the Herald. Young widow, financially embarrassed, wishes loan of $100 on a diamond ring worth twice as much. Address box blank. Miss Mordaunt was beautiful and fascinating. She would produce a genuine diamond ring and go with her victim to a jeweler to have it priced. At his office she would receive her money and ask him with tears not to wear or show her ring for a few days, but lock it up in his safe. She then takes the ring, wraps it up in tissue paper, puts it in an envelope, and hands it sealed to the victim and leaves, promising to repay the money with interest in a few days. She never returns, and at length the victim opens the envelope to find a brass ring with a glass diamond worth about twenty-five cents. While in Austria some years ago, I heard of a most remarkable adventuress who went under the name of Madame Clarisse B. Blank. Her particular form of swindle was to get acquainted with young men of good family and wealth, and entangle them in her meshes and get declarations of marriage from them. She would get all she could out of her poor dupe and then notify the family of the engagement. The young man's parents would then be forced to buy her off with a large sum of money when she would go to pastures new. But Madame Clarisse met her Waterloo in Vienna. There she met an American student upon whom she worked her wiles, even to the extent of going through a marriage ceremony with him. After a time she left him and went to Paris. But the adventuress who had broken so many hearts found her own touched at last. She was actually in love with her student husband whose face haunted her dreams. 
After a few days she returned to Vienna, sought him out, and confessed all, but threw herself on his mercy and love. The denouncement, unusual in such cases, was that the couple were actually married, and today are living happily on the continent. Many, many more incidents might be related of the clever work of the fascinating woman criminal, but these should be sufficient to warn the unwary against trusting either their honor or their pocketbook to an unknown woman, no matter how beautiful. Teacher, Instructing Prisoner Class on Manners now, Willie Brown, for example, if you were sitting in an electric car, every seat occupied, and an old lady enters, what would you do? Tommy. Please, sir, I would pretend I was sleeping. End of shot 15. Recording by Leanne Howlett.